We sat on the floor in his bedroom. There was just one low little bedside light on. It was Yom Kippur, and he was still too young by a year to attend the long evening services after a day of fasting. His parents had asked me to babysit, and I was so happy to. I had met Lev when he was just in the fourth grade, and we had adored each other. And now he was telling me about his time at summer camp this year. First of all, it was an arts camp, and Lev loved theater. Plus, he'd gotten to play Rooster in Annie. Do you know that show? Uh, Enough to know it's one of the leads, I said. Yeah, well, it was great. And at the audition, though, he hated to say, but at the audition, there was one boy who, um, well, first of all, do you know what a shimmy is? (laughs) Yeah, I said to him, I think so, right? He said, exactly. There was one boy at the audition who shimmied like this. He used his arms. And I, I really had to work to come even close to his level of disbelief at this other kid. Anyway, Lev got the part of Rooster, and it was great. It was so great in part because while Lev was just a sixth grader, the, kids, the camp was for kids all the way up to eighth grade, and everyone was friends with each other, like eighth graders friends with sixth graders. And then, at the end of camp, they got a contact sheet. Do you know what a contact sheet is? It's a piece of paper with everyone's contact info on it. All of those kids, like including the eighth graders, including the guy who couldn't shimmy. Everybody, email addresses, mailing addresses, all of it. Lev opened his bedside drawer His family was Shomer Shabbos, which you may know from the Big Lebowski, means that they strictly observed high holidays and every Sabbath from sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. They didn't use lights or money or cars. They refrained from writing a whole bunch of stuff, too long to list. So the lights at Lev's house on this Yom Kippur, they were set on a timer that was set up in advance. The bedside light was the only light we had on in the bedroom, and we wouldn't add any others to it. So Lev opened the drawer, and he reverently took out this piece of paper, which is just a regular eight and a half by 11, folded in half, and he opened it up. He showed me the names. He had loved camp so much. He had loved making theater with higher production values than middle school. He wanted to be an actor. He really wanted to be an actor. And he could imagine it, but he wasn't sure how it would work because most theaters have Friday night shows, and he was Shomer. He didn't use lights. He certainly wouldn't have been in a play on a Friday night. And I thought to myself, you and your boyfriend can have Shabbat when you get back to your place in Chelsea after the show on Friday night. The It Gets Better movement started in 2010, which was a lifetime ago for some of us. It started after the death of Billy Lucas, a 15-year-old kid who'd been bullied about a lot of things, including his sexuality. That was a year when a lot of kids died that way. A couple, should I wait? Okay, I can go back to the beginning of that paragraph. So the It Gets Better movement, lots of people know it, but it started in 2010, which was a long time ago for some of us. And it was started in a year when a bunch of kids, like junior high and high school, died by suicide because they had been bullied. A lot of them because they were out or because people thought they were gay. So 
after Billy Lucas died, a couple, Dan Savage and his husband, Terry Miller, they made an eight-minute video. It's not polished, it's not fancy, and in the video, they told young LGBTQ people simply, simply that, it gets better. In this video, they told them to hold on through whatever they were in the midst of because it gets better. That was it. That was the whole message. Now is not forever. High school is not forever. And if you survive it, which you can, their video promised, if you survive it, things will get better. You will never have to think about or hear from those bullies again. Middle school is not forever. Your parents aren't the only adults. The people at your school aren't the only people. Listen and believe. It gets better. And yeah, 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 they said. Life is still hard. You'll still have plenty to figure out. But to get to the good stuff, just hang on. More is coming. Better is coming. Those first activists had a goal. They had a goal that a uh, hundred other people would join them in making It Gets Better videos. That other people would lend their voices, bearing witness to the journeys of their own lives, sharing a vision that for some young people isn't visible, like over the, over the crest of a hill, the crest of a hill that looks like high school graduation or leaving home or, or finding a community that fully loves and appreciates them. But within just a week of that first video, there were a thousand more. And within four weeks, Dan and Terry heard from the White House that President Obama had just uploaded his It Gets Better, Better video. A simple, necessary idea to say, we've been where you are. We can see more of the way ahead. Listen, let me tell you some of what I've seen. I swear to you with Walt Whitman, there are divine things more beautiful than words can tell. Necessary because while we're on our path, we don't always know, we rarely know what's coming. Any of us could be forgiven for thinking that now is it, that this is all there is. What a gift to hear. No, there's more. What a promise. And also, that's not enough. Jesus told his disciples, don't let your hearts be troubled. There is still more to come. And he told them that at a table where they shared their last meal before his death. He told them that in the same long conversation in which he told them, not for the first time, some of the truly awful things that were about to happen. So yes, it gets better. Jesus himself preparing a home place for them, but also, how are they going to get there from here? I go to prepare a place for you. Ah. In my parents' house, there are many dwelling places. Ah room for all. We'll be together in that place. Ah, room for me. And you know how to get there. Wait, what? God bless Thomas for saying what everyone else is thinking. Uh, we actually don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Thomas saying with so many people, that's great. That sounds great. That is great that it gets better. But what am I supposed to do in between here and there, now and then? How am I supposed to live day to day? And Jesus clears it up, tries to offer to Thomas as a roadmap the answer, I am the way.
between where we are right now and wherever we're going, there's a long road. A road that is marked by our own particular circumstances and suffering and skills, our own sorrows and worries and all the things that bring us particular joy. A way that we'll take one day at a time and, and look back on from next week or next year or in many years and see some of what we can't see now. We'll look back and see the contours of the landscape, the places that felt hard because holy cow, they were. We'll see that this whole year was a long, slow climb uphill the whole way or, or that that year was an easy, pleasant place that we came into so gradually we hardly noticed. We'll make meaning of the journey next week or next year or many years from now, and that meaning will matter. It will change our experience of our own lives and have the potential to change the lives of others too. We'll see all that. Now, we may have some imagination for it, but we mostly see where we've been and and a little bit of the road ahead. Jesus, on the other hand, I think has more of a a God's eye view because of who he is or, or how he is. He has that ability to see people and know them like right in the present moment, but also to know or to feel the paths that they've traveled to this moment. And here in this conversation around this table and some other places too, he has the whole long rest of the way in view too. He tells Thomas and the other disciples what he sees down the road, a place for them, a place for all of them, a place with room for others, not just them, a place that Jesus will have a hand in making, a place to dwell with God and each other, a home place. That's the vision. But it's not enough. I mean, it's not enough to only know where you're going, to have a vision for it, to hear someone else's vision. You need directions or a process or a plan. In Memphis, that speech that Vince read, Dr. King had a dream, had a plan too. He had a vision and a process. That night before his death, he talked about a very near miss he'd had years earlier someone else's attempt to kill him. And he talked that night about how very glad he was that he had survived that earlier moment, how he was so glad to have survived to this moment. He talked about all of the things he would have missed if he had died before. As a prophetic person, he had perhaps a longer view than many of us do, a clearer vision of the place that God prepares for all people. Maybe he was better at and more dedicated to telling others about the vision. But he also had a plan, a plan that there looked like a strike. He had many fellow travelers, companions who he needed, whom he knew were needed for the vision and and the plans and the whole long way ahead. Jesus' plan was as simple as it gets better as basic as hold on for today because tomorrow is coming and there is more. Jesus' plan that he shared in this same conversation around the table was just love one another. That's how people would recognize them. That's how they would recognize each other. By love, that was the whole plan. My friend Lev wasn't 
to my knowledge, ever in great danger. He had supportive parents and loads of friends, even including eighth graders. He had a vision for his life, some sense, however broadly, of where he wanted to go. He even had plans for how to get there. And Lev didn't even particularly need me. I mean, I didn't tell him my vision for his Friday nights. He didn't know where Chelsea is or who lives there. He does not, as far as I know, live in Chelsea, although he does live in New York City. He's not a professional actor either, but he does have a handsome boyfriend and a fuller life than I probably know. But there are a lot of other kids, a lot of other people who do need me, who need us, actually. There are people right here who need us. I mean, here on the lawn, here on the call. Maybe you're one of them, people who cannot believe that this long, hard, uphill climb isn't the whole path. Or maybe, maybe you're somebody who has already traveled some difficult paths and you can tell us what you see over the crest of the hill. Maybe we can trust your witness, trust your story. Maybe we can accept your invitation to hold on and travel together. You don't have to be a prophet. You don't have to be Jesus. You just have to be like a little bit farther down the road than somebody else and care enough to turn around and say, I can see what's coming. I've been where you are. It gets better. And maybe that's all Jesus meant when he said, you know the way. Maybe that's part of what he meant when he said, I am the way. This is the truth. This is the life. Maybe that's what he meant when he said, if you've seen me, you know God. Because this, that, that meal they were sharing, our life, this is the way to be with God. This is the way to your home place. This is our contact sheet full of beloved names, people who extend friendship to us. This is our place to meet and, and wash each other's feet, or I think much harder, let other people wash ours. And this is the way. This is the way that we saw and know in Jesus. The way is relationship with each other and with God. The beginning is relationship. The end is relationship. Home is relationship. We are not there yet. And it is already here. We have heard how the story ends. We have seen where it ends and we know the way. And we know the plan too, to travel day by day together, living into love.